0: From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. It's Friday, October 21st. Ballots were mailed to all active and registered voters in Grand County this week. These voters will be making decisions on federal, state, and local races. We checked in with Grand County Clerk Gabriel Wojtek on what happens next, exactly how their office ensures a safe election process.
1: Hi there, my name is Gabriel Wojtek. I'm the Grand County Clerk Auditor.
0: Tell me about the ways in which Grand County has ensured that our voting process is safe and secure.
1: For starters, Grand County is really well aligned with state-level leadership, and, and by that I mean the Lieutenant Governor's Office. Um, who is charged with overseeing the elections statewide, I would say my office is extremely well in line with all of the recommendations and practices and, and, and oversight and, and support that's provided by the Lieutenant Governor's Office. Furthermore, um, clerks around the state, all of them from each of the counties, um, we stay in really close contact about any latest trip-ups or any latest um, issues or topics that could be addressed, and so we're in really good communication. Actually, starting last Thursday, we have a call, all the clerks in the state, with the lieutenant governor's office, and that'll be every Thursday through the election and after, just to... Go over some of the finer points, debrief what's going on, um, and answer any questions that everyone can be on top of at the same time. And quite frankly, Utah as a state is a is a leader nationwide in following all of the best practices that election experts would recommend for running the most secure election possible. Um, to give you a little example of what we do, particularly in Grand County, but of course statewide. Um, You know, every ballot that we count has to have a signature that's cross-checked with what we have on file with a particular voter. And so when you get a ballot in the mail and put it on the envelope, please make sure you sign that return envelope. You know, we can't count that ballot without that signature outside of the envelope. And that's just one of the really thorough processes that we go through to make sure that voters' identities are, are true to their to their ballot, and also when we scan those ballots in and count them as received in our system, that there aren't any duplicative voters either. We also audit all of our election equipment. So I just finished up the public logic and accuracy test, um, and that's a test that we keep open to the public where we look at our voting tabulator as well as our voting machine that we have out in the lobby. And we make sure that those machines are working exactly as they should in terms of the way that they mark ballots and the way they scan and and uh, process results. And in addition to that pre-election audit of all of the equipment, um, we audit the results as well. And so that would mean we take a batch of ballots and then we verify that the image of the ballot matches exactly how the machine has tabulated that ballot. And so there are a number of checks and balances that we do pre and post to make sure that you know everything is matching up everything is aligned additionally um, the the election envelopes i mentioned the signature we go ahead and do a second audit of all of those signatures so we take another batch of those ballot envelopes and and just verify that the signature on that envelope matches the signature that we have on the file we have someone do that that didn't do the first round of verification of signatures So, again, you know, I I could probably go on to further detail, um, but that's just a that's a glimpse of all of the processes and the best practices that we go through um, here in Grand County to to ensure uh, a safe and secure election.
0: Because we have a mail-in ballot voting system, people can mail their ballots back. As soon as they get them and fill them out, you can mail it back. Um, Can you also drop them off at the clerk's office?
1: Residents are absolutely welcome to come drop their ballot that they received in the mail here at our drop box that's in the lobby of the Grand County Clerk's Office. And in fact, I just recently saw the results of a survey of Utah voters by the Hinckley Institute of Politics that said, Um, 23% of voters said they plan to vote in person for this election cycle, which is a far higher number than we've seen in this state for the past few years. I, I encourage people to, you know, to return their ballot in any way that they feel comfortable. You know, we do take very careful counts of how many ballots we receive in the drop box at the end of the day, and all of those ballots are held very securely and carefully in our vault up until Election Day when we uh, make the count. Thank you.
0: So you're not counting the ballots as they come in. Tell us about the count and how that works.
1: Yeah, so they're they're held in batches, and we keep them sealed in our vaults. All the way up until Election Day. Election Day is a big day that starts early for our office because once we, you know, at some point in the morning when we're all settled in and ready to go and we have enough snacks, <laughs> we we pull those batches of envelopes with ballots inside them out. And then batch by batch, we separate the ballot from the envelope. And this is something that only our poll workers do, and that's clerk's office staff. Um, and that's done in, in supervision by myself, the Grand County Clerk, in a way that is absolutely guaranteed to ensure the privacy of each voter in the sense that we're separating those ballots quickly, we're getting them separated, putting them in separate stacks and keeping it moving.
0: Full day for you here at the Grand County Clerk's Office to count those ballots and anything could happen, but typically results are are up in the evening. Yeah,
1: without any hiccups. I mean, the polls close at eight. If everything goes pretty smoothly, you would hope to have most of the ballots tabulated by then. And if there are any late strikes regulars get those counted through, and then there's a process whereby I have to take the data manually from each tabulator and put them into our election software, whereby they're brought up and then transferred again manually via a data stick to the state website where the unofficial results will be posted on election day evening.
0: Grand County typically has a pretty high voter turnout. Do you have any thoughts on that? Why we have such an engaged community here?
1: You know, I I think we are unique. Uh, We do have a particularly engaged community. We are fairly geographically isolated in the sense that we don't have many populations that are living far and outlying areas that might have a little bit harder access to the active voting. Um, I think other counties like San Juan County um, face different challenges than Grand County does in that respect. And yeah, I think it's just part of the spirit here, and people just enjoy participating.
0: Anything else to mention about voting, registration?
1: One thing in particular is um, at this point, if you register, I just want to be clear that you, there, there isn't an option anymore to get a ballot in the mail. And so if you're still um, needing to register to vote from now up until Election Day, we're going to ask you to come vote in person. And so the polling place here in Grand County, in the Grand County Clerk's Office lobby, um, that'll be November 2nd, 3rd, 4th, and 7th from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m., so that's a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Monday, and on Election Day, November 8th, where we will be open from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m.
0: Grand County Clerk Gabriel Wojtek on the local election process. Election Day is Tuesday, November 8th. Anyone is welcome to reach out to the clerk's office with questions. You can find contact information in the show notes. The Grand County Commission was in session this week. So, what happened at the meeting? What happened at the meeting? Whatever happened, what at, the meeting? happened at the meeting? What uh,
2: exactly happened at the meeting?
0: Maggie McGuire, editor of the Moab Sun News,
3: answers. At this week's Grand County Commission meeting, council members funded two projects monitoring water in the Matheson Wetlands Preserve heard the encouraging results of
0: a 2021 financial audit, and heard an extensive update from the Grand County Economic Development Department. Department head August Granath presented a cross-section of the department's work over the past year, including public campaigns both to attract visitors and promote responsible recreation, as well as several new grant programs to benefit local businesses. And that's what happened at this week's Grand County Commission meeting. This exercise in civics is a collaboration between KZMU News and the Moab Sun News. Find recaps of local government meetings at moabsunnews.com. You can also watch these meetings on YouTube. Find Grand County, Utah, and Moab City there. And now the weekly newsreel, where we check in with reporters on their latest stories of the Moab area. Candidates running for Grand County Commission and State House District 69 answered questions in a debate this week hosted by KZMU with support from the Southeast Utah League of Women Voters. Doug McMurdo was there and covered it for the Times Independent.
2: I think the big story, um, the debate, by the way, you did um, a great job. Thank you. Moderating that. And I think that... Um, Having it air and available in the archives, I think that's really uh, providing an invaluable service to voters okay. and candidates. So I, I wanted to publicly uh, thank you for that.
0: Well, thank you, Doug, because that's kind of the idea is just have another way for people to get information about the thoughts and opinions of the people running for political office. That,
2: that, and, and that's a great uh, transition to uh, what I want to talk about uh, primarily today on the debates. I'm uh, <laughs> People have if they weren't at the debate, and I'd be surprised if they weren't. It was packed. <laughs> I, I think that the one thing that has not got a lot of uh, play with um, uh, traditional media here in Grand County is this um, controversy, I guess you would call it, with Southern Utah Wilderness Alliance and the Rural Utah Project, an affiliate organization, and allegations that they are openly campaigning for uh, uh, Democratic candidates or progressive candidates. Mm-hmm. Um and there's been a lot of allegations on social media, um, and a lot of them just aren't accurate. So I spoke to Scott Green, the executive director of SUA, okay. and uh, he um, went on record to state unequivocally that SUA is scrupulous uh, in the way that it follows the law,
1: mm-hmm. And as
2: a 501 C3 nonprofit, it is prohibited from electioneering. Mm-hmm. Um, however, the rural Utah. Project is a five hundred one C four, and that's a, bit a nonprofit form of uh, existence. I guess is the only way to put it. That allow they're allowed to do electioneering uh, beyond voter registration drives and uh, things of that nature. Uh, so there's been a lot of um, allegations of outside influence tarnishing the elections here in, in Grand County, and um, you know. The executive director of SUWA says that it's just not happening. And um, people who don't want to agree with that are, are free to seek um the advice of people who would know about such things. I'm not sure anybody commenting on social media does.
0: You know, this is um, probably the biggest, you know, controversy that sprung up on social media. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see that um, the TI did an iner- interview with the executive director of SUA. Yeah, it
2: was it. just an attempt to, um, mm-hmm. to, to clear the air. And frankly, I would have... Um, called anybody on the other side, but I don't know where that other side is. I I don't know where the expertise is, where the Mm -hmm. credibility is. So Mm -hmm. it's a challenge that you face. Um,
0: It's challenging in election season. It is,
2: especially the closer that you get to the election. Like, for instance, November 4th will be the last edition of the Times Independent prior to the Tuesday's election on November 8th. We're not going to have anything about the election Editorially wise, there, mm-hmm. there very well will be ads. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm quite certain there will be political ads, but there will be nothing editorial wise on the mm-hmm. opinion page, the front page, anywhere, uh, because people won't have a chance to rebut anything that's said. Sure. So um, the last bite of the apple if you want to get uh, if you want to get your last uh, comments in, <laughs> it's uh, October 27th, and let me know by Monday at 5 p.m.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much, Doug. Um, there is more election coverage in this week's edition of the Times Independent, again, about the various debates and then the ongoing um, interviews that you and Sophia have been doing with various political candidates. So if yes. people are interested in that, they can also find archives at, at moabtimes.com.
2: Yeah, we've got a, a couple of um, interviews with um, State Board of Education candidates on, on A3. Right. Uh, back to A1, though, Sophia uh, did a, a really timely story on the property tax increase, the rather dramatic property tax increase that um, homeowners in Mm. in Moab, the city of Moab, Mm -hmm. uh, have seen. A lot of sticker shock, if you will, when people looked at their property tax bill.
0: I see Sophia interviewed um, at least one person in in Moab City. You know, what did they have to say?
2: Uh, Well, they're their taxes increase routinely. However, it's, it was almost doubled. And it's getting to a point now where the homeowner can afford it. He doesn't think he should have to. Mm-hmm. But at, at the same time, you know, a lot of people can't. Um, Makeda Barkley was um, interviewed. And mm-hmm. uh, she's already in danger of possibly getting taxed out of her home, which wow. I think a whole lot of people, some of them uh, born here 80 years ago, Uh, are in danger of getting priced out of their own Mm -hmm. neighborhood that they've lived in for decades because of this. And it all has to do with the um, dramatic uh, increase in property values.
0: Wow. And this is such a tough issue. In Grand County, there was an increase of abatements on property taxes.
2: Yes. And it's twofold. You've got more people asking for relief. And because the taxation, the tax amount is higher they're asking for more money yeah. to be abated.
0: So it's getting the housing market is getting very tight for not just renters but also homeowners.
2: Right, and I'm I'm thinking what is this tax increase going to do with people who are already paying high high rent? Yeah, I mean, the, 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 it gets the, passed
0: on, yeah, you, perhaps.
2: Sure, they, they need mm-hmm. to make that money back, and it's going to go right back to you.
0: Well, more coverage, of course, on that issue in the Times Independent. Where do you want to take us next, Ed?
2: Let's go to Grand County doing something good for um, area businesses. Great. The uh, Grand County Economic Development Specialist Ben Alter um, spoke to the commission at their Tuesday meeting. And the commission uh after some discussion, unanimously approved a little over six hundred nine thousand dollars in star grants wow. those are uh sustainability or sustainable and resilient grants. Everything has to be an acronym right. these days. In any event, this is money that comes from transient room taxes that can be earmarked for economic diversification. Mm-hmm. And um, Grand County is able to do this. Uh, so can other counties uh, in the state, thanks to a change the legislature made that uh, Grand County um, really worked hard to, to get. And uh, the 609000 is has gone, like I said, to 19 businesses they range from a few thousand dollars up to a hundred thousand dollars, wow. and um, I spoke with Mark Antonuccio. He's the owner of Westside Woodworks. Mm-hmm. He's got a nice shop up there with a couple of employees. He needs to expand because um, they've just outgrown the shop. They've been around for twenty years. They have a mostly Moab clientele, um, and they do really good work. Anyway, uh, they they received fifty thousand dollars for that expansion. He he was able. To, he's very grateful for it. Um, And I think everybody's going to be grateful for it. And it went to a whole lot. In fact, um, uh, your underwriter, Sundial Medicinals, is a recipient. And our neighbor, Wild Raven Soap Company, is another beneficiary. So I think that the county was really excited to to be in that position. And I think this could continue. I think this could continue.
0: So again, these grants are for local businesses. What were the parameters? Will you remind us? Like you said, you spoke to Westside Woodworks about um, using the funds for expansion.
2: Right. I, they had to have a plan. They had to have a plan. They needed to meet uh, certain criteria. Mm-hmm. Uh, clearly, they had to be legally licensed to do business mm-hmm. in town. And mm-hmm. there's also going to be some pretty strenuous, uh, robust oversight to make sure that the money is spent in the manner that they applied to, have, to do. So, um, as Mary McGann put it, I thought this was a really good comment. She said... Um, this is not a giveaway and a walkaway. It's so, and, and and I think it's important to that people know that there is going to be uh, someone uh, looking over the shoulders of these business owners to ensure that they're spending the money the way they're supposed to.
0: Doug McMurdo, editor at the Times Independent. Subscription info and more stories can be found at MoabTimes.com. And it's all about the election this week. The Moab Sun News has started their coverage. Alison Hartford has more on what to expect in their latest edition.
3: Yeah, so this week is part one of our election guide. There will be two parts, so the next comes out next week. But this week we talked to everyone who's running for Grand County Commission seats. So that's Emily Campbell and Bill Winfield running for at-large, Lori McFarland and Mary McGann running for District 4, and Mike McCurdy and Steve Getz running for District 5. And basically the way that we did it, is we asked every candidate the same four questions um, and they wrote their answers and then we just published them. So readers can read, read it for themselves um, and hopefully that helps you decide who to vote for. Awesome. So that is in this week's edition of the Mubs and News. What's coming up next week for election coverage? So next week will be um, the sheriff, attorney, and fire commissioner races. Election coverage
0: is happening this week and next week. And of course, there's more articles in the Mubs and News. Where do you want to take us next, Allie?
3: Yeah. So um, Rachel attended this really amazing training last week put on by the Children's Justice Center, um, which helps organizations and helps train people recognize signs of abuse in children.
0: Okay, so the Children's Justice Center, this doesn't often get in the local news. Can, can you give us a refresher of what they do here?
3: Yeah, definitely. So um, the Grand County Children's Justice Center opened in 2005, and it's overseen by the county attorney's office. Um, this spring, a new director took leadership. Her name is Brooke DeGraw, and she returned to Moab um, after 16 years away. And basically, the Justice Center hosts forensic interviews for kids who have suffered abuse. Mm. Um, And this is a trauma-informed response. So they work really well with kids and can kind of figure out like what happened. And so Rachel attended one of their trainings. Yeah, attendees of the training included law enforcement from the Moab City Police Department and law enforcement from the Grand County Sheriff's Office and Utah Highway Patrol. Um, There were also advocates from CKVN Family Crisis and Resource Center and medical and mental health care providers. Um, So these are all members of a support system who may encounter child victims of physical or sexual abuse. And so basically the training went over how to identify abuse. They also talked a little bit about how the Children's Justice Center is in the process of applying for reaccreditation. All right, so what does that mean? The National Children's Alliance is the accrediting organization, and it uses 10 standards to evaluate advocacy and justice centers. Mm -hmm. Um, And these standards are updated every five years, and so um, the Children's Justice Center is kind of in the middle of Of that process. But basically, they're trying to become a resource for Moab so that people can reach out to them and, like, law enforcement and care providers can reach out to them and get trainings like this and learn how best to go about these situations.
0: It's really encouraging to hear that there is cross training with um, other organizations, especially law enforcement.
3: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it's really cool that we have a resource like this in Moab. Um, And also, the Moab City Police Department is trying to do a lot more training trainings like this, and so it's great to see that our law enforcement here can have access to trainings like this. National Children's Alliance has statistics on how many Children were served um, in Utah, and this year, between January and June um, 2022, children Justice Centers in Utah served 2,419 children.
0: Wow. So more information on the Children's Justice Center and, of course, these uh, recent training in the Moab and News this
3: week. Where else do you want to take us, Allie? Um, this week, Maggie wrote about the Fun Fund, which is this super small organization in Grand County that tries to raise funds to send students to summer camps.
0: What a great name of a fund, the Fun Fund, just to have fun. Okay, so tell us
3: about it. (laughs) Yeah, so we started by Stephanie Byron, who is a therapist in the Grand County School District, and she started the Fun Fund out of her own pocket a couple years ago to provide an opportunity for kids to go to equine therapy groups and horseback lessons, Mm -hmm. and one day she posted on Facebook like, hey, can anyone help me pay for these horseback riding lessons? And she raised over $1,000 in support. And so now this is kind of an official fundraising organization. In 2021, the Fun Fund um, funded its first (laughs) local high school student who went to camp with the Colorado-based Deer Hill Foundation. And the student had an amazing time. And so Mm. um, now Byron is funding more and more local young people going to camp Mm -hmm. so in this past summer there were a couple kids who got fully funded to go to camp and byron herself drove this one fifth grader up to salt lake city for the first time so that she could go fly to washington state to spend a month at camp um and now byron her goal for this year is to send four local kids to camp for next summer So she's looking for more people to help and help fundraise. Um, And so we included her contact information with the article too.
0: Now, she seems very hardworking and passionate. Why mm-hmm. summer camp? Why is why is she getting behind this as an important thing that we could do for local kids?
3: Yeah. So she said as part of her job as a therapist, she sees a lot of kids who don't have um, the opportunity to do stuff like this. And mm-hmm. especially, she said there's a lot of kids in Moab who never really have the opportunity to leave this area. And like this fifth grader um, had never flown on a plane before. And so Byron just said she really wants to to take barriers away because having experiences of like summer camp and going to new places is just so important and can be really really fun for these students how do you people reach out to her if they're interested in donating they can just contact stephanie at her email it's byron b-i-r-o-n-s at grandschools.org or just by calling her phone number at four three five seven one nine four seven zero
0: nine. And there's one more one more article I'm hoping you can talk about in the Moab Sun News, which is about an upcoming event.
3: So there is this project through Utah State University called Bringing War Home, um, and it's part roadshow, part recording histories project, and it will come to Moab on October twenty second at the USU Moab campus.
0: All right, I know a little bit about this. I've heard that they're encouraging people to bring some sort of object Mm -hmm. or memory about war. Can you tell us about that?
3: Yeah, so I talked to Susan Grazel, who is a history professor at USU, and Molly Cannon, who is an anthropology professor at USU, and the two of them um, head this project. And so basically, um, their goal is to create a living digital public archive to record objects and stories of war and one of the main ideas of this is that we we usually know the stories of leaders in war like generals will go on to write memoirs but we don't really know the story of the veteran who maybe wasn't a leader or family members or civilians and anyone who has been touched by war Um, they want these stories. So Utah Public Radio helps record the stories um, and they also work with a lot of USU students to to help photograph the objects and record history so it'll be on Saturday October 22nd and they said um, they really invite everyone to come so anyone who has a story or anyone who has an object even something that maybe you don't think is really important like mm-hmm. they had somebody bring in like an old phone book that hmm. their grandfather had kept and their grandfather was part of war but then they discovered these like handwritten notes in the back and so even really small things can be really important for this project and also they said with the objects what's interesting to them especially objects that were taken from war zones is the story that surrounds it so Mm. like we talked about how um somebody brought in a piece of shrapnel to one of these road shows and as an object it has no inherent meaning like it's just Mm. a piece of burned metal but the story of it of like this person who has held on to it this whole time Mm -hmm. and the day that they picked it up and why they've kept it that whole time is really what the project wants to record Mm -hmm. so it's really like all sorts of objects and anything or anyone who has been touched by war is invited to come Mm -hmm. and also anyone who just wants to learn and maybe wants to find themselves, you know, sitting across from their neighbor and talking about these experiences. All right. Anything else to say about this event? So um, Molly Cannon said that this project really puts people with little to no experience of conflict and war right across the table from somebody who has served and who has experienced really brutal aspects of war. Mm -hmm. Um, And she said... A lot of the time when these conversations do happen, these people are talking and sometimes they're even laughing. And so these roadshows really spark a dialogue across generations and across world experiences.
0: Allison Hartford, reporter at the Moab Sun News. Subscription info and more stories can be found at MoabSunNews.com. That's it for the weekly newsreel, where we check in with reporters on their latest stories of the Moab area. You can find the pieces that were mentioned today in the show notes at our website, kzmu.org, or wherever you listen to the KZMU News Podcast. As always, thanks for tuning in and supporting KZMU, community-powered radio.